0: Welcome to the Two Stewards Show. We've had a few questions recently about how to do joint ventures in real estate. Some of you are probably thinking, joint what? Joint ventures, that's where multiple parties invest in a property together and then they live happily ever after. So pleasant and harmonious. Well, actually, joint ventures are not always pleasant and harmonious, and there are plenty of important things to consider before getting into one. In this episode, we cover the basics of joint ventures and share some thoughts from our own experiences. So, whether you have limited funds to invest and can't qualify for a mortgage, or you have plenty of money and borrowing power but just don't have the time or availability to invest, then this episode might help you understand how joining and venturing with others can help you maximize the gifts you've been given. Mark and I want to say a big thank you to those who have already sent in questions and comments to the show uh, via hello at twostewards.ca. Mark's not here right now, so I'll go ahead and say it without him. Thank you. And now, let's get on with the episode.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Two Stewards Show. My name is Mark. I'm here with uh, Brent. All yeah. right, that's we our first live. skill testing question out of the way.
0: <laughs> Mark is our newfound VP of humor
1: and joke development. Yes. Don't forget that part. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're thinking of uh, some good titles for our, uh, our foundation for here. our roles. Yeah, <laughs> our big venture, our joint venture. There as you go. It were. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Actually, is joint ventures and. Um, yeah yeah we uh, started a bit last yeah.
0: week no two weeks ago yeah uh, I'm talking about deal structures that apply to real estate as we're getting some questions about that people want to um, partner with people or people want to expand their portfolio or yep. even get into the market and don't have enough uh, money so what kind of deal structures are available to you
1: great yeah so we talked <laughs> excuse me it's in the morning I'm so hey, chug that coke there Mark <laughs> um we talked a little bit about private equity and sort of the GPLP model, which uh, you know, if you're just kind of getting into real estate, you that's not you're really going to apply. Um, but it's good to know how things are structured. So the other, yeah, the thing we want to talk about today is joint ventures, and and not um, you know probably not big massive deals. We're not involved in those either, so. Um, we wouldn't comment on that, but you know, like you're buying a house, for example, a single family unit and you want to do some work to it. Um, how do you go about that? What do you do? And, uh, as always, this is not legal or financial advice. This is entertainment value only. That's right. That's the standard, uh, disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we better be entertaining if this isn't actual legal advice, um, eh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So why would you do a joint venture, Brent?
0: Yeah. So, um, if you, yeah, there's a different components to doing a real estate deal, right? Um, obviously you need money, right. To be able to buy the property, you need uh, time or, uh, availability to, uh, do the deal to, um, you know, work on the property, find tenants, manage it. Um, you know, a lot of people think real estate is just a passive investment, but there is definitely work that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, um, there's renovations. So there's some expertise there as well um, that come into play. And then there's, um, so have, yeah, so you have money, which I guess you can break down into uh, the cash yep. like the, um, that you might save up for a down payment. But then there's also the qualification for the mortgage. yeah. So whether or not you can um, have enough borrowing power to buy a property. And, um, what was the, th- <laughs> 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 I don't have my list. Well, <laughs> we, well, you talked about qualification mortgage work deal. Yeah. And the deal is the, is the final one there. So yeah. What, what is the actual property? What's the deal? Who's bringing that to the table? Who's finding that? Who's analyzing it? Um, those sorts of things.
1: Yeah. We were talking just a little bit before about, uh, Stefan Ernio. So he's a Winnipeg based investor. He passed away a couple of years ago, I think of, uh, I think from cancer, uh, younger fellow, but um, yeah, his uh, his firm is still still active, and he wrote a little book just called "Money People Deal," kind of breaking it down, right, to what yeah. you said, right. You need someone with money, yeah. So that's cash and qualifying power. Um, you need somebody with expertise. That's the people side of it, and then you need a deal, yeah. Right. So you and if you don't have, point. if you don't, if you're missing one of those things, right. Um,
0: and you still want to invest because yeah. you think it's a great thing to do. That's when you start looking at joint venture or some sort of partnership, right? Yeah. And, uh, that, that becomes advantageous as well, because, you know, let's say you have one or two of the pieces and you're looking for that, you know, second or third one. Um, and someone else might be missing the one that you, uh, bring to the table. Then you have a mutually beneficial, beneficial relationship and, um, the investment's going to make a lot of sense and uh, benefit you both, right? Whereas you would not be able to do it together uh, or separate, I guess. Yeah, and I
1: think the way that you have approached it um, is you kind of are providing the the people and the deal side of it, right? Generally speaking, you've got the expertise, but you're also going to go find the the place, whether you're doing a joint venture or just working with an investor, right? But that's not always the case. Um, So there are, I don't know if people have seen... Like the signs on phone poles like, we buy houses fast and yeah. and all this stuff, right? So you have wholesalers um, who are people who just focus on the deal side of it. So they're going to find distressed, usually distressed properties. And some of these guys are shady, some are not, right? Some will just like really find vulnerable people, pressure them to sell their house for far under market value. And... Um, and then other people will just you know find good deals and generally you're getting under market as well but it works out for both parties but then they're not um yeah they're not holding on to that property their thing is they're going to flip it quickly so often what they'll do is just get a um, uh, an agreement to purchase they won't actually do like a full qualification and purchase but they'll have that agreement so from from the customer and then they're going to go find an investor who wants to take that deal, so they kind yeah. of flip that that right of purchase back over to them, and then in return they take a, a small cut. So they might make five, 10, 15 grand on a deal, right? But if they're essentially they're just they're looking for deals, they're finding it, they're signing it, and then they're flipping it all in like thirty days or something. Um, that's not a bad deal, right? Yeah. But you got to hustle. <laughs> like you really got to be on the phone and really. So this is, I think, um, a bigger game, if you will, in the States. I see much more talk about people doing that in the States, but uh, here it's not, not as common. But I just want to put it out there. That's another way that people can like make some money in real estate without um, actually putting any cash down. Yeah, so joint ventures becomes uh, a way
0: for people to uh, get into a deal or an opportunity without having all of the pieces necessary to do it on your own, right? Yeah. Um, so the ones that we've done uh, have generally gone quite well. Um, and uh, usually there's like the ones we've done, anyways, there's two parties, right? So like we're one and the other person is the other one, right? You can start adding more and more parties to these things and they get more complex. Yeah. Um, right. So if you have two people, like maybe one's really good at construction and the other one has a bunch of money. And then, you know, the, then there's a third person who he finds deals or something like that. Right. Yeah. And you work together. Um, but it's, it starts with the relationship between the parties. Right. Because uh, if you don't have uh, a good relationship, a mutual understanding of like what you're responsible for, what you bring to the table, and the other party doesn't value that um yeah the relationship can go sour pretty quick because the minute you buy a piece of real estate there's a lot of money involved (laughs) yeah (laughs) and um yeah and if and if it goes well there's also uh, you know there could be a lot of profit there too um and people yeah people change when when money goes up or down right like if there's a lot then people could you know sometimes get greedy and they're like well i want that and um you know if it goes poorly then yeah People people are afraid of loss. Yeah. So very important, I guess, to note off the top is that we want to have a
1: legal uh, agreement in place between the parties, right? Yeah. Even if you're just a couple of buddies buying a place, Yeah, like, yeah, people get away without it. But we've also heard of lots of times where things didn't go well. And then, yeah, what do you do? So it's not just about protecting yourself. But it's about having a previously set out framework for figuring out what to do, right? If you sit down before and you talk about it and say, like, what do we do in this scenario, this scenario, this scenario? Yeah. Then there's no fighting. Yeah. Because you've agreed on it. And you have it on paper. It's on paper. Yeah. um, And that should take a lot of the stress out. So even while the deal is happening if something is, is is going sideways or whatever, you know what the options are. We're going to do this, this, or this based on the agreement that we already had. Yeah, And I mean, you can disregard the agreement and and, and be angry, whatever. <laughs> but I mean, then legally, you've got to, uh, that's what you have to do is follow the agreement that you set out. But it just, I think it gives, it's a good foundation and it sets a lot more, um, yeah, just gives you more confidence during the deal, I think, Right. Everybody knows what their obligations are and what their rights are, and uh, no gray areas.
0: Yeah, have we hit uh, why we why we want to do this no.
1: enough? Or I don't think so. Well, ask me more questions then. Okay, right? Brent, why would you want to do this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why um, would you want to? And by the way, when Brent is involved, it's called um, it's a joint venture. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> going to put yeah. that out there. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> so. For myself, how I got into joint ventures was, um, you know, I I done a couple properties myself, my wife and I, um, because you know you could, you save up a bunch of money, you buy the house, you know, you wait a few years, and then you have some equity there, so you can borrow money and you can buy the next one, right? But eventually, you know, after three, four deals, it starts getting tough to qualify for financing and to have the down payment. Um, but after, you know, two, three, four deals, you start getting some experience, right? And you start saying, you know what, Hey, I could do this for other people or with other people. And I could add quite a bit of value here because, you know, maybe someone else hasn't done it before, but they, they've just been talking to me a lot recently about buying real estate. Uh, they really want to get in the market and invest but I know that they're not going to do it unless, you know, they have someone by their side and together we can both benefit each other. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of how we got started doing joint ventures is, you know, you start getting some experience on your own and then eventually people say, Hey, I value that, uh, what you bring to the table. And, and obviously I don't have the ability to qualify. Um, and then we both, We both have our piece and we put that in the pie and then the pie gets bigger
1: yeah yeah and even for let's say uh, high net worth individuals they will also run into a barrier at some point right and if you have a good mortgage broker and you kind of lay out your plan let's say you're just getting into this but you've got like really good earnings and you got a whack of cash um, they're going to tell you like okay for the first five deals we're going to go with this bank yeah. Because they're they're good, but only up to five deals, and then after that they won't lend you any more money. Yeah. Um, so make sure you're first you max out what you can do with that bank, and then after that we're gonna go to this bank and then maybe this private lender and then that bank, right? <laughs> to kind of structure it so that you can you can always qualify. Because at some point, no matter how much money you're qualifying power you have in canada anyways you're just you're gonna run out of like, yeah the bank's gonna say no at some point yeah not based on anything yeah. other than you've got too many properties
0: well yeah i i at one point i quit my job to do this full time and that was a big Ooh. no right yeah <laughs> send in your t4 i don't have a t4 okay you don't have any boring power and you're not getting loan. Well. <laughs> yeah right so that's a big thing too where people might be self-employed or they might own the business and they might not be able to uh, qualify cause they don't pay themselves money um, or enough money to qualify for the deal they want to get into in their business. Right? So just as a quick example, like let's say your company might make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, but you keep all that money in the company and you maybe pay yourself, you know, 50, 60 grand just yeah. to cover your expenses um, personally. So, uh, when you take that out, obviously, like there, there's, there's a lot of benefits there for tax savings because you're not paying the, the tax on the, all the money you made in your business. Yeah. Uh, just the 50, 60 grand you took out. But when you go to get a mortgage, the bank's going to look at you and say, well, show me your income. And if you're self-employed, like they don't like to see, or they like to see that you have paid yourself that money. Right. So it becomes this thing. If you want to qualify, you have to basically just pay the tax to the government on the money that you need just to qualify and you got to do that for two years in a row usually they want to see two years of statements yeah and then uh then they'll like be more willing to
1: give you a loan right
0: there's always a risk there too so you could be paying the tax and then (laughs) (laughs) you don't get it you don't get it right
1: well i mean there are options with um b lenders yeah as well so not quite Private lenders where you got really high rates, but BLEN, which is what we've yeah. used. And uh, in that case, we'll often just use stated income. Yeah. So then you got to provide your business income to them because they kind of get it. They know that as a business owner, you're not going to pay yourself a huge salary. Yeah. Right. Because you do have other benefits, right? Maybe you have a company vehicle and, and certain expenses are paid for through the company. Um, so they'll just look at, like, is this company viable? And uh, are they actually like? Are they making money? Did you know if yeah. if things go bad? But does this have the resources? Higher, they charge yeah, higher. Yeah, you're going to pay higher. Um, so you are a little bit, yeah. Well, I mean, we just renewed, and we're we're used to being at least two points above um the the normal rates, but we uh, we're actually very, like we're right in. I think we're six percent or something, which was like ah, uh, but. There's plenty of people paying six percent right now as well, just regular mortgage through a bank. So, <coughs> yeah. Me. Anyways, that's just a little side uh, thing before I choke here. Um, that there, there, you know, there are some alternatives if you're uh, going through B lenders as well if you're self-employed. Yeah. So joint ventures can
0: definitely help you scale um, quicker, and uh, that's that's probably why we're getting questions too, right? So I know uh, like people are, people already have a property and they're looking at the next one. Right. Yeah. And the, the question always comes up. Well, if I don't have like one of the pieces of the puzzle, I can't do it. So what am I, what are my options? Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, young people. I think this is a really important strategy to kind of be aware of because, um, usually you're kind of missing one of the pieces, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> probably money. Um, but it, it can be a huge way to get into the market. At least you're not, maybe you don't own a hundred percent of the property, but you own a piece. So now you're in, right. Um, and yeah, when you're young, you do have more time. You might have, uh, more energy, you know, yeah. Mark, like he's yawning
1: all the time. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> and he's really old. <laughs> I just have a caffeine IV going yeah. off screen. <laughs> oh man. <clears throat> so, yeah. Um, okay. What, so, how? What are some examples? How do we structure a joint venture? Yeah. So, I have an
0: agreement. I'm not going to pull it up on screen because it's got people's names on it and stuff. But um, these are legal agreements, 15 pages long. Some some you could get are shorter, that you know, more concise and uh, yeah. simpler terms. The ones that we have are a little bit more in depth. Um, but we go to a lawyer. We say, look, we want to draft an agreement. Here's the terms of our relationship. You know, I'm doing this, uh, you're doing that and you want to set, um, you set who's bringing what to the table and what percentage they're getting out of the deal. Um, and then, yeah, the, the lawyer will take care of, um, breaking that down into legalese that you never read or that you should fully understand. But, (laughs) 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 um, but one big thing, so one big thing is title to the property, right? Yeah. So, uh, when you buy a house, somebody has to go on title. Um, And if you if you put both parties on title, that's one way to do a joint venture where, um, you know, you you both go on title of the property. You're registered. All right. So if someone did a title search, they would see both your names uh, and know you co-own this thing. Um, And that's legal and that's fine. Um, And then uh, the mortgage would basically be in both your names. Right. Um, because yeah, they're going to look at both of your finances. So that's one way to say, okay, if I can't qualify, but I'm still willing to go on title, I can get someone else who also can't qualify on their own. They can go on title as well. And together we can. So for young people, for example, that might be a good thing, right? Mm Because they have about half the qualifying power each. They combine together. And now, uh, the bank's willing to lend on our combined income. Um, and And then we can do the deal and we can both show up on the weekend and, you know, drink beer and uh, maybe do some I don't know about that. (laughs) You want to add value to the property. Uh, Okay. Do the drywall (laughs) first and then drink the beer. Yeah. So that's one structure. Um, But not everyone wants to necessarily go on title. Right. Um, And not everyone adds value by qualifying for a mortgage either. Right. So if you can't qualify for a mortgage, it's not really that valuable to go on title. Um, because yeah, you're not, you're not going to help qualify. So, um, you might as well find somebody who can and they can go on title. Um, and I think people who go on title think, you know, is that a big risk? And yeah, it certainly is. Like there's legal, um, ramifications of going on title, going on the mortgage, right? Because if your name is on the mortgage documents, um, only, then uh, if you default on the mortgage, obviously the bank can come after you personally and they, they might not know about the other party to the yeah. agreement, right? Yeah. So you could kind of have these layers, right? If you put everything, uh, all your names on title and on the mortgage, um, you're very forthright with the lender and everything is kind of like, if, if you have to sell the property, the bank's coming after both of you or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, but if you, could, if you do it this other way, you have a separate legal agreement, kind of in the background, and I know your lawyer had question marks about that. So don't take this as legal advice, but <laughs> this is what our lawyer said you could do, and I've got book, uh, books here to prove it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he so you would you would basically put one party on title, get the mortgage, and then yep. the other party or and they would hold it in trust. So they would go on title and they would hold the mortgage in trust for the joint venture, which is made up of both parties. Right. Yeah. And then that joint venture would have a joint venture agreement that, um, specifies, you know, all the terms of like, who's paying for this, uh, what, how are funds distributed to the various parties? Um, what percentages do they own? Right. Cause it could be any, it could be anything, right. It could yeah. be 25, 75, could be 50, 50, um, and it, it varies widely based on who brings what to the table.
1: So. Yeah. Yeah. And that's legally enforceable, right? So yeah.
0: let's say. So if the guy sells the house cause he's on title and yeah. he just runs away with all this money, then you could come after him with your joint venture agreement yeah. and say, Hey, you know, <laughs> we had this agreement and you are supposed to pay me, you know, 50%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully, don't go running away, <laughs> 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 or have to chase them. Yeah.
1: Right. <clears throat> okay. So yeah, that's the more common setup, right? One person yeah. on title, and then you've got a legal agreement to say, "Hey, this is who we are, um, and who owns what in this uh, in yeah. this deal." Like all the proceeds, all the rents,
0: all the income, but then also all the profits and losses come to that person on title, and then that is held kind of in trust for the joint venture. So if, if the if the guy who's on title experiences a loss, that loss also is borne by, oh, by the joint venture. Borne by the joint
1: venture right? So do you set up uh, like a bank account under that person's name or do you have like a joint bank account?
0: Yeah, so we've, we've done joint bank accounts. Sorry. Um, yeah, we've done joint bank accounts uh, for each joint venture and found that to be quite a simple way um because both parties can access it so they can yep. um you know hey you got to send a couple grand and put it in right or let's take our cash flow distributions out you can kind of just access it together and that works well if you both trust each other which is what you should do if you're <laughs> if you're getting into a joint venture together right <laughs> <laughs> yeah you should trust each other before you do this um and and yeah like uh, having that joint bank account, you can basically set it up so that the rents automatically go in there. The mortgage comes out of there. The expenses come out of there, like your property tax, your insurance, yeah. right? Your utility bills. Um, if you're paying for the utilities yourself as a as a landlord, <clears throat> um, and then yeah, if you um, if you have cash flow, which is great, then um, you distribute that. And what we usually do is like maybe once a year. We'll look at the bank account and say, you know, okay, the cash flow has built up. We're going to take each this much money according to the percentage that we have in the deal. And then, yeah. um, and then you roll into the next year, right? And that way you always have a little bit of a buffer there for, um, you know, any unexpected expenses. Yeah.
1: And, and I, I mean, I, yeah, people will say... I don't say, like those
0: unexpected expenses, Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Nobody does. No. Um, But I'm sure people will say, well, you know, so you both have access to this account. How do you know the other person's not going to do this or that or whatever? And I think what you said is you have to trust each other. Like if you're thinking this going in, then maybe this isn't the right joint venture. Yeah, right? if you already have misgivings before you start, before you <laughs> set things up, like this probably is not yeah. uh, not going to work out. Yeah. It's like when
0: that guy steals all my money. Yeah. What are my? <laughs> yeah, try not to do that. um Yeah, we so we do have ones where we have we hold the account because we are more active, right? So we're yeah. doing the construction, we're doing the design, we're doing the we find the deal, we find the management, like. All of that stuff is happening. So we also deal with the transactions. So, yeah. so you have full yeah. control. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we pay out distributions as, um, <coughs> as needed, um, like whenever there's money to distribute, right? And then give like a, what, a yearly account? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like a statement at the end of the year of what happened in the
1: year. Uh, yeah. That's usually how it goes. And so that's, I mean, that that's even more quote unquote risky for the person you're partnering with because they really have no control or no daily, like no idea of what's going on daily, but yeah. that's probably also what they want, right? They don't want to have yeah. to think about it to, other than like collect a check. Yeah. And so we'll for, give a
0: monthly kind of statement of, um, you know, rent collected and that yeah. sort of thing, but um, more on the property management side. But yeah, they don't, some people just don't. They just want their money invested and then,
1: you know, you take care of everything, right? Yeah. So that's just
0: a way of backing off and...
1: Yeah, you buy uh, some mutual funds and, like, you just get your statements every now and then. Yeah. And, um, I mean, for, like, for you guys, let's say you did do something dodgy, um, you just, you'd be done in the industry, right? Yeah. Word would get out pretty quick and, uh... You would not do another. Deal. Yeah, word would probably get out on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know I would. I'd be like Brent stealing money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't do any joint branchers. <laughs> yeah, so we used to do a lot
0: more of them, but we've we've kind of toned down and done more fee for service work now yeah. in our company, right? Yeah. So um, we're doing a lot of the same stuff, but. It's, uh, it's not like a joint venture where we're going in on this thing 50-50 and we both have ownership, right? Yeah. It's just you own it 100% and we do the work.
1: Um, so there's advantages
0: to both kind of models, right?
1: <clears throat> yeah, depending on what the investor's yeah. comfortable with as well, right? So, so what are some typical structures that, you've, uh, that you would do or that you would recommend in a joint venture? Like where one person is just bringing money, And the other person is bringing the expertise in the deal. Yeah. So
0: the most common is probably having one person who's active, who's taking control of um, the property itself, finding it and renovating it and renting it out and managing it. He might live close by um, or she, right. Um, And might have some skills or some Intel on the area and the tenants um, and they're prepared to put the time in. Yep. So maybe they have a part-time job or, like, you know, they're retired and <laughs> can handle phone calls at 4 a.m. Um, and then uh, maybe they have a plunger, too, just in case. <laughs> yeah, it's important. <laughs> right? Yeah, well, tools and, uh, you know, those sorts of things are valuable, right? Not everybody's a handy person handyman, right? So to have access to tools and stuff so you can do quick repairs, it saves a lot of money. So if someone brings that to the table, that's probably uh, one kind of party. And then the other party that's uh, in, in this kind of common deal structure would be somebody who can qualify for the loan and has the money. So yeah, it might be somebody who's more advanced, who has more financial clout and just less time. Um, partnering with somebody who has more time, but you know, just doesn't have the finances to make it yeah. work. That's probably the most common uh, okay. structure. What's the ownership
1: structure like then?
0: So, on something like that, depending on um, the experience of the person doing it, and you know, the size of the deal, um, and whether or not the persons who's doing the um, like the active side of it, doing all the construction, is putting any money in. Um, would probably be around 50, 50. Um, that's anyways, the ones we've done, a lot yeah. of them are just 50, 50, right? Like we do this, you do that and, um, it works. And, uh, yeah, if, if, uh, if you're not as experienced, you might take a lower, uh, equity right. stake in the property or in the deal. Um, and you might give more to the investor because it's a riskier thing for them because it's like, Hey, you haven't done this before. So, well, I'm going to get 75 or 80% of the profits. So, um, you know, you take your smaller share and once you know what you're doing, then maybe we'll do another one and it'll be bigger.
1: Yeah. So even on, on like a 50, 50 deal, um, does the, uh, does the, does it work out financially for the person putting the money in? Yeah, so
0: on the ones that we've done, so there's there's multiple ways to structure um, once you have uh, like your kind of how much or who's contributing what, right? You have a percentage, let's say 50-50. Um, there's multiple ways to structure how the money is distributed, right? So you could say, you know, we're just 50-50 and any money you put in, um, you know, you're going to get 50 it's gonna just come fifty fifty, right? So like if we make a hundred dollars in cash flow, I get fifty, you get fifty, right? right? But for the investor who puts all the money in, they're putting all the money in and they only get half the cash flow or half of the distributions, right? So that's yeah. not as attractive. And so a lot of the ones we've done, we've actually structured it similar to the GPLP structure that we talked about in the past episode. Um where the investor's entitled to like a preferred return on their money, right? So when they put their money in, uh, they're getting, because they have more money invested than uh, the other party, yeah. they're getting uh, any profit that comes back first uh, up until whatever the preferred return is. Let's say it's like 8%, Yep. right? So they're getting that first and then the rest is split 50-50. Right. So if that makes sense, um, yeah because this is where it can kind of get a bit confusing for people um, is when the money comes out and then there's always two kind of buckets right there's the regular operational cash flow um, that can get distributed right every month you're gonna make some cash flow hopefully yeah and uh, and then that has to be distributed and then there's also the capital distributions when you do a sale or a refinance or a refi- yeah. yeah. Then, then there's a big. There could be potentially a big chunk of change coming out, and and then what? What do you do with that, right? So that yeah, that is definitely a big part of the the legal agreement. Yeah. Um. You know, after you specify the parties and what they're responsible for and the percentage ownership, then we specify how do you distribute the cash that comes out of this thing, or. Yeah. Hopefully, comes out of this. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're doing a value add, where you're because we doing also, renovations. yeah, we also talk about putting money into it too, right, in the agreement. Yeah, who puts so, in what yeah, and if what you point. have to spend? Yeah. yeah, anyways,
1: what were you gonna say? Oh no, I was just saying like a lot of the deals we'd be thinking of would be something where you're doing a renovation, yeah, or maybe adding an ADU. So then you're going to do a refinance, more than likely like a year into it or whenever everything is done. Right. Yeah. So then there's going to be some cash, uh, coming back out. Yeah. So for, yeah, especially for the investor, if they can be, have a good chunk come back, I think then it's usually still a pretty good rate of return, right? Once you calculate like, okay, I put in X and I got X back and then I also have this property, (laughs) you know, ideally they're, they're getting their, um, the money they put in back, but I don't think that's reasonable right now. Right. Yeah, it's it's very tough in this area
0: and, and these rates to buy something and then have it like, yeah, value add and then refinance it, pull all your money out. Um, yeah, it's tough. But yeah, I'd so say it's not impossible, it. but you got to buy very low under market. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a lot of variables there, right? So you yeah. got to buy something very much below the market value. You have to renovate it quickly and for cheap and the renovations that you do have to be adding a lot of value so that the property goes up in value and then yeah. the appraisal has to come in high which means like right now appraisals aren't coming in high because the market's kind of yeah. you know and then banks are saying hey appraisal this a little bit lower because <laughs> we're a little bit risk averse right so all those things have to happen and then you also have to qualify for that higher appraisal and then um, so you probably need the rents to go up too so all those things
1: have to happen in order for you to get all your money out. Yeah. So, but I mean, if you don't get all your money out, that's still it's like, not the end of the world. No. Well, no, because that, that's <sighs> like the optimal best scenario, right? Yeah. But that's, um, yeah, that's a bit of a unicorn, I yeah. think. You I put a hundred grand in, you got a hundred grand deal there. or something. Yeah, because you've yeah you you're ready to return your cash on cash yeah. is a hundred percent or more, right? Yeah. Which is uh, that'd be nice, but. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not going to happen in Canada, anyways. Yeah, call Mark if you're looking for an infinity property. <laughs> um, okay, all right. So yeah, that's sort of how we structure the deals. What kind of deals would you be looking for? I mean, we're you know we're sitting here in the GTA. Um, what kind of things are you looking for in in terms of joint ventures? Yeah, so
0: I think joint ventures can apply to. They can obviously apply to a wide range of things, but let's just say, so a young person who's looking to buy a house, uh, it might be quite applicable to that situation where they, they might not have the full down payment or they might not be able to qualify. Qualification is probably the bigger one, but they're ready to work on the property and they want to do something to it. Right. Um, and they might not have all the expertise and they might never have managed tenants before, but they're ready to start trying. Right. So that might be a good opportunity to, you know, go to a family member and, um, and the minute you kind of go to a family member, you have to think like less about, you know, this is my property, my deal. It's almost becomes like a family deal, right? Like you're building family wealth rather than so. And that, that's kind of when you bring on a joint venture partnership right away. It's, it's a mutual Relationship and you're going to build wealth together. We're not, it's not, I'm building my wealth, you're building your wealth. It's like, no, we're together. So you have to kind of think about it like that. Um, so yeah, when you start bringing on like parents or uncles or friends or whatever, um, then I forget what your question was, but then you can all of a sudden, um, you know, get into a deal right away quicker and uh, start start renovating, right? And I've seen people recently do that and like it's done it's done really well because they're getting into the market with a single family home. Yeah, you're asking what kind of deals you're getting into, right? So um, it could be anything, right? It could be just somebody looking to buy their own house, right? So it doesn't yeah. necessarily have to apply specifically to an investment. Um, it could just be a way to get into a property, you know, husband and wife, they want to live in, with their family, then this is a way to do that. Um, yeah, they just buy a house somewhere and,
1: uh, yeah. And so they're going to get some <laughs> quote unquote help from a family member, but really it's not help. It's an investment because now that family member owns a piece of that house Yeah, and then you have to, that's got to be spelled out in your agreement. Yeah. But if you're going to do a refi, great. Um, or if at some point you sell it, then, uh, they get that piece back. So it's more of a longer term investment, right? Yeah. Which so
0: that works well for parents and children too, who are like, "Hey, I'm gonna you know help my kid buy a house, that sort of thing, but yeah, yeah if you have a lot of kids, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm gonna run out eventually, <laughs> um, but yeah, and then other opportunities or deals that work on a bit of a bigger scale, um, like we've talked about this before where um it, like it used to be super easy to just buy a house and then uh rent it out right and make cash flow and make it pay for itself. Maybe yeah. you can do that in some pockets in the states too you're talking about. Um but here and now if you want to own real estate in Ontario and there's a strong case for owning it, right? Because of all the the trends that we've been talking about. Um you have to do more work to it. And yeah. that's that's where all of a sudden people people it might be unattainable for people right they're like you know I can't do this anymore so I'm just going to not do it right and that's where a joint venture might come in because say well uh if I bought that property and I wanted to make it work as an investment I would have to you know renovate the house add a basement add a detached dwelling or I'd have to make it turn into a fourplex or I'd have to sever off the back and put two lots and do all this other stuff right and that's very capital intensive time intensive there's risk there but if you start sharing that risk or sharing that responsibility across multiple parties and everyone brings something to the table now all of a sudden you can do a deal right yeah um so while the deals may not seem feasible to one individual if you don't have the resources and the time like once you start spreading it across different people now all of a sudden it can right so that's an example um but we talked about private equity uh, last time, and that that's a bit almost a different project um, size too, right? Like joint ventures, yeah. you wouldn't necessarily scale that up to like you know a condo development. That's not the right kind of deal structure for that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so it it is kind of limited to smaller, um, more clear cut uh, deals. Yeah. I so generally, say. you're looking at single family homes. that yeah, sort It works of really thing. well because you're not it's not an expensive legal agreement to get into either. Right. Because if you set up a corporation and you have to do all these things and you have to do annual tax filing and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, that's all of a sudden a barrier to entry too, right? You have this extra cost on top of all your other costs and the deal better produce enough, uh, juice, so to speak, to make that all work. Right. But a joint venture is a much lower cost, but it's still a legal way. Like it's a, it's a good way to protect yourself Um, But still do a deal.
1: And uh, yeah, it's kind of the cheapest. cheapest Yeah, I mean, you might be looking at what? A thousand bucks in legal fees or two grand versus 10 or 20 grand on a sort of GPLP or more depending on the size, right? Yeah, and the cool thing is too, like once you have a joint venture
0: agreement and you've done one. You can also copy and paste that agreement and change the names and the terms. Yeah, you don't around, need a lawyer right? to so, do a whole new one. So, yeah, like the, the, the bulk of the different. legal fees is setting everything up. Um, whereas in a corporation, like you're still going to have to set up a new corporation. And <laughs> yeah, 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 you yeah. have to do the same thing yeah. every time. Yeah, so it has its spot. It has a kind of a, a lower, lower. It's still big, but it's yeah. also smaller than big, big, big stuff.
1: <laughs> Does that make sense, Mark? Yeah, it's not small, but it's smaller <laughs> than big. Yeah. yeah no, that's uh, clear as mud. Technical. Take some notes. <laughs>
0: uh, okay. What else we got?
1: Uh, I questions? don't know. What else you're peppering you... me. I, uh, I ran out of pepper. Oh, man. Yeah, just down to salt. I don't really like... I have to assault you now. Well, I mean, we talked about why, right? We talked about how you do it, what you're actually doing. Typically, it's going to be the smaller... Um, more entry-level type deals. Um, yeah, so one other thing to consider
0: that I just touched on maybe was the the contributions, right? So yep. we want to have a legal agreement that specifies what we're doing, specifies what our percentage interest in the deal is, and specifies who gets paid what. But then you also want to have who has to contribute. So if you're... Um, if the furnace goes? Yeah, if the furnace goes, man on December 26th or 5th. And, uh, so first of all, who's getting the phone call and has to go there on (laughs) Christmas Eve or whatever to look at it. Yeah. Um, is, is the big, that's probably the more pain. (laughs) (laughs) But the other, yeah, the other thing is, okay, once we get the bill and it's, you know, $6,000 to fix whatever it is that broke, uh, who's going to pay for that? And it doesn't always have to be the person who put in all the money, right? So if, if somebody's putting in 100% of the funds to, to buy the deal, or maybe renovate it or whatever, it doesn't have to be that same person putting in 100%. It yeah. can be, um, but it could also be like you know, 50-50. So you have a 50-50 relationship. You know, from, from this point onward, everything that's a capital expenditure, we're going to vet it. Like We're, we're both going to talk about it we're going to say if it's worth it yeah. and then we're going to mutually pay for it as well, 50, 50. And it, it kind of works because like we talked about, you have this shared bank account, right? Yeah. And you know, that would, that bank account would be paying the expense. So you get the invoice and then one of the guys goes in and he transfers them the money or whatever. Then you both, like you both put in funds into that account to top it up. And then, yeah. um, yeah, pretty simple. Um, I think people might think it's daunting when you like joint venture legal or whatever, but like, it's really, you know, you could have just the basic, basic setup and, uh, and that's usually actually probably better. Um, keep it simple, but so, yeah. And then capital contributions, um, could go where the guy puts in all the money. But so for example, if you have, um, a, a deal where the guy just doesn't have any money, but he brings a lot to the table on the active management side, and the other person puts in all the money, um, and he's agreed to put in any capital expenditures moving forward that the property itself can't pay for. Because yeah. sometimes, like, you might have $10,000 of cash flow in a year, and the furnace goes, and you can easily just pay for it, right? Yeah. So maybe also
1: the septic needs work. Or, yeah.
0: Septic. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. That's expensive. Um, but yeah, if that if that person's putting in all the money, then, um, then uh, sometimes they're going to have to have. Uh like if they're getting paid if the if the agreement specifies that they get paid all their money back first, then that just adds to the amount that they get paid, right? Um so let's say they they have a hundred thousand dollars in this property and then all of a sudden they need to spend another ten thousand, right? Yeah. So they put in another ten thousand. Now they're a hundred and ten thousand dollars into it and the but other guy's first, still at zero. Yeah. But they're entitled to that hundred and ten thousand dollars when you sell it or when you refinance it, right? Yeah so which makes a lot of sense and uh it's still like for the guy putting the money in it's still kind of sticking your neck out further because you have to trust that the property over the you know 20 years that you're going to own it is going to pay that money back yeah but um you know when it does pay it back you get it first and then then the rest is split according to the percentage interest yeah so that's a good that's a good way to do it You found that very interesting. <laughs> no, I did.
1: No, it's, it's, <laughs> it is good. It's good. Uh, okay. Any other, uh, pearls
0: of wisdom? Yeah. So throw before this one, maybe one other very important thing, which probably should have talked about right at the beginning was the exit strategy because oh, yeah. that's huge. So for people who get into these things, like, they might be super optimistic and very excited, but then a year goes by and you're like, man, I just want to get out of this. <laughs> <laughs> right. So very, very important part of it is what do we do with this deal when it's done or yeah. when we want to get out? When one party wants to get out and the other one wants to stay or when one person wants to sell or they both want to sell. So, um, like that that definitely has to be covered in the legal agreement and lawyers have different ways of doing this. so we've had we've had different lawyers come up with different clauses for this and um and one that we liked was i think you can call it a shotgun clause right so have you ever heard of that i don't know yeah yeah okay i've heard
1: of that in the santa claus okay (laughs) i'm more familiar with the santa claus (laughs)
0: yeah oh mark (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, the shotgun clause, people are not familiar is kind of like well the yeah, I guess the the trigger, right? There's a trigger. So yeah. and the trigger is like some one party wants to sell or buy the other person out, right? Yeah. Um so what usually happens is you say okay, um you know, I want to buy you out or um and then and then the other yeah, and then they say
1: I want to buy you out.
0: Yeah. How does this work? So, okay. So it works like this. So, uh, you specify a price, right? So like I would say, I want to buy you out for $500,000. That's what this deal is worth. And I think you like would be happy with that. And then what you can say is buy or sell. So I said, I, I trigger the clause and I, you pull, I say the price. Yep. And then you as the other party, get to say whether or not you want to buy or sell at that price from me right and yeah then, so I'll
1: sell it to you or you know what no yeah I'm so if buy I from you at that price yeah
0: so if I trigger it and I say like a million dollars then you can say that you're going to sell it to me for a million
1: dollars so therefore I'm at a loss or whatever right so you can't sort of take advantage of the other party by yeah a lowball offer because they yeah. could come right back at you and it's turn a, it around yeah oh thank you i'll take that offer but i'll pay you
0: yeah so it's a great kind of quick way to uh incentivize you know a fair price so that yeah. um and and so that this is the other thing to keep in mind with the legal agreement is like the legal agreement is there as like the backstop to your relationship right so yeah. if, if you in general course of things like you don't just you know, okay, uh, we want to sell, let's pull out the agreement and see what we, uh, what we're going to do. Right. Yeah. Okay. You fire the shotgun at me and then I'm going <laughs> to, right. It's more, <laughs> Hey Mark, you know, you want to sell? No, not really. Right. And then, oh, you want to sell now? Yeah. You want know, the kind of think of like, well, let's talk about this. Right. That's you work it out, uh, mutually together, but if you yeah. can't, then, then it comes down to the this, agreement. right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I've definitely heard some people like, you know, getting <laughs> taken advantage of where, they're they're in a bad financial position yeah personally but then the guy who has you know half the deal notices that and is like well I'm going to try and force you out of this I'm thing gonna give you by, 50% of the value yeah by lowballing it and uh yeah that's that's tough right but yeah you hopefully want to get into uh, agreements where you can mutually discuss it first and if all else fails and you know it's just we have to sell this thing and the other is we don't want to sell this thing then you move to the next step and that's looking at the agreement and well, you should look at the agreement, but at least
1: yeah. you have a backstop, right? You have something to go off of. Yeah. So, and you may be doing this with a buddy mm-hmm. and be like, Oh, I never want to like, we're always going to be best buds. Right. But yeah. if you go, uh, I don't know, look 10 years down the road. Right. And then look at your past relationships. Yeah. And like, are all of changed. them. Yeah. Lots of things change. Even family relationships. Right. So, yeah. um, highly recommended to have that, uh, to have a good exit strategy. Yeah. And then if you
0: actually do decide to sell a lot of the time, the way is, you know, we get appraisals. Um, if you're, if you're a contention with each other, like if both parties are like, you know what I want that, I want this. And then you both get an appraisal, right? Yeah. So, and, you know, I'm not happy with your appraisal. I want this appraisal and you come to an agreed value and then you buy out the other party or, Um, if you're going to sell it, you have to just list it. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And then it gets kind of, um, scary, I guess for the person who's not on title. So we talked about, you know, if, if one guy's on title for like in trust for both parties at the joint venture, then he could technically just call up a real estate agent and list the property and you don't know. Right. Yeah. So there's, you you should have a clause in your agreement that kind of talks about if that happens or um, you know, how, how do I deal with that? Right. If, if he just goes and lists it. Right. And then uh, do you have any ramp? Like, is there any ramifications for you um, if he just sells it and he sells it for a hundred grand less than what the market value was? Cause he just needs the cash really quick and he's out of here. Um, yeah. So that, yeah, that's kind of covered in the agreement as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you figure out what the worst skate... Plan for the worst, right? Yeah. But hope for the best. Yeah. So that's what they do in Germany, too. They plan for the worst, especially around Oktoberfest. (laughs) Oh, VP of humor. Yeah, that's right. I've been developing that joke. Oh, man. (laughs) Okay, well, I think that's a good spot to to cut it off before the jokes get really bad. Yeah. And uh, as always, if you have questions... um, Email Brent, not me.
0: Yeah, or no, just yeah, reach out to a lawyer. You know? oh, yeah, they'll
1: probably be. charge you hundreds of dollars. But yeah, we'll charge you <laughs> dozens of dollars. <laughs> yeah, usually
0: so. the more expensive the lawyer, uh, the better, I yeah. guess. I don't know. <laughs> if I was a lawyer, I would probably just charge a lot of money. You know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> next, next career, Brent. Yeah. But uh, yeah, thank you for listening, folks. And until next time, steward your wealth wisely.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Two Stewards Show. If you like my voice better, click
1: subscribe. And if you like my voice better, click share. If you like both, give us a five-star rating. To interact with the show, feel free to reach out at hello at twostewards.ca. We'll see you in the next episode. In the meantime, steward your wealth
0: wisely.